Emily. And I'm Justin. And you're listening to The E&J Show. It's a podcast about dating, sex, the pop culture of our youth, food, farming, and how we're navigating this crazy little thing called life. How are you doing, Justin? Doing all right. Uh, here we are. It's the last full week of November. Mm-hmm. And somehow the month has gotten past us. Yeah. I can't really tell you what we've been up to. I feel like the month just slipped by. Um um, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we went for a bike ride. We did. That's true. We got, well, we went for a few bike rides. We went for a couple bike rides. Um, we went on a pretty nice one a few weeks ago into Chinatown to get some sweet buns, which that's right. we'd been talking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. We, we had this mission of going to get sweet buns and then we finally did it and it was wonderful. We got to see... All of the people in the public garden taking their Christmas card pictures and mm-hmm. taking taking their dating profile pictures. Yes, the beautiful women taking their their photographs of each other. It was it was a good old time. Uh, and um, then last weekend we biked out on Mass Ave and yes. ended up at the old Schwab Mill, mm-hmm. which uh, I just meant to show you. I didn't intend on it becoming a whole thing. Uh, but we ended up getting a tour, and the old Schwab mill is a mill that goes back to, I think, 1864. Is that roughly what the guy said? Yeah, he said the building was from the 1830s, I think, or the the part of it was in the 1840s. Uh, and then the the brothers, the Schwab brothers, bought it, or the Schwab dad bought it in the 1860s. Right. Um, so yeah. it, it was a mill uh, dedicated to making picture frames and oval picture frames because that's kind of all they were at the time. And we got a whole tour, just the two of us. It was really, yeah. It was yeah, really, the really guy, nice. I still wish we had asked that guy's name, but the, the tour guide was the old Schwab man was very nice. Um, and we all just like we're vibing i don't know how else to put it i was like explaining this to to my friend yesterday and uh i just felt like we all individually had things in common and we were just talking and talking forever yeah we we had no intentions of staying there that long but we were there probably at least 40 minutes or something it was quite a while definitely more Um, than that i would say yeah that's well that's why i say at least i I really don't know Um, um he gave us a dvd yeah, which I have still to watch, but it's it's only been a few days. Um, but it was it was really cool. I think the coolest part, and I think you agree with this, was like the graffiti on the walls. Well, yeah, I mean that's if you want to call it graffiti. It's they've well, yeah, they haven't they haven't really touched anything in this mill, and yeah. they've kind of left it as was from when it stopped being functional in sixty nine, nineteen sixty nine, and. So there's still like pencil markings on the walls. They had a a schedule for the American League baseball schedule for 1954 in there. Yep, yep. Uh, they were recording first snowfalls some year. Yeah, so yeah. It was, it was just really cool because you know a lot of um, a lot of old historical buildings, whatever they may be. Um that are turned into museums are really turned into a museum i think about like 
the the Lowell Mills and how, you know, part of that's owned by, I think, the state. I don't think it's federal. I think it's Massachusetts state, um, you know, protected parks and all of that. And so that's a little more museum-y. But this yeah. was just like you were kind of walking in and uh, what you saw, they had a video of the place operational in 1969 and it looks exactly the same as it is yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, beyond, like, the graffiti was really cool, but, I mean, beyond that, like, the entire, like, setup is basically the same from when they closed. They have, like, these rotating discs that they uh, carve the frames on, and they have, like, table saws and chop saws and all, the, and, like, things for making miter, uh, mitered, uh, uh, like, uh, what sort of, for ways to fit the wood pieces together and right. um, yeah and the cool thing too about it was the i can't remember her last name but the way that this spot was saved was by this woman named pat um and the person who gave us the tour was talking about how she's sort of part of this like not lineage but group of women in the northeast who have like uh preserved uh historical spots uh and, and i brought up when we were there like the isabella stewart gardner museum for example but there's many places like that so uh yeah yeah i think she was the wife of one of the brothers who inherited okay uh, the mill <clears throat> and, yeah. and they had passed um and it was kind of in her hands and she wasn't going to run the business anymore it's changing times but she decided to keep it and preserve it which yeah there's such a story of um so many of these classic new england um mills and just houses even that if it weren't for some woman who you know at the time it's not like they were working for most of them, you know, there, mm -hmm. there were no, there were no women in the workforce. And so they took it upon themselves to do what the men weren't doing. And that was preserving these buildings. I mean, I think the, yeah. uh, I think the little woman house is the same thing, little woman house in Concord. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And, and now that the most recent adaptation of that is out, you know, the Greta Gerwig film, yeah. uh, the amount of tourism that <laughs> goes to Concord, yeah. Massachusetts, uh, just to see that house now is crazy. So you really see how it pays off down the line. But yeah, that, that was a yeah. fun little, we had fun. no intentions of having that happen. I just wanted to show you the place because we were in the area and it ended up turning into a whole thing. And it was really, really lovely. I, yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking about it and you would probably agree. I haven't had a day like that in a long time. And I think largely yeah. because of COVID, you know, just right, totally. on something. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something that's literally like, well, something that's open that you can be a part of is like, there's things going on. Yeah, and you don't need a reservation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and and no one was in there, and all the windows were open, and it was just like the three of us. We were all wearing masks. So, um, yeah, it was great. I want to very briefly talk about the sweet buns for a second, and hopefully, you guys will think this is as funny as we did, but. So one of the sweet buns I got was savory, and I had never had sweet buns before, so I wasn't. These sure are them. these are Chinese sweet buns for Chinese anyone. Sweet buns. Yeah, um, I had never had them before. I had no idea what to expect. I kind of 
assumed they would be kind of like a donut, I guess, um, and be filled with custard and stuff. And some of them were, and some of them weren't, but they were more like bready than I thought, um, and bigger. So, um, that was interesting. But one of the ones I got was savory. And I I imagined it to be filled with like real meat or something because it was like pork flavored. But no, it no no pork or anything like that. It was just like bread all the way through. But then on top, they had these like this like flavored salty powder, and it was almost like like hairs, like little crystal hairs. They were <laughs> we, really long and thin. They were really long and thin, and like ex- like the saltiest thing i've ever eaten in my life and i kept calling them we kept calling them meat hairs and also salt hairs so what was the name of that place because i want to recommend it it was called bao bao bakery it's in chinatown it's okay it's owns it's under the same umbrella as a restaurant called double chin that's right um go to double chin go to bao bao's bakery and get get the salt hairs and also real like get the the actual sweet buns because they're super good yeah um, i think we got like 10 of them honestly and we ate all of them we yeah we we got we got maybe like eight or nine and i think the total was only ten dollars yeah. yeah and you couldn't believe it i we were going in there and i said we're gonna stock up and then you know you were kind of amazed at how much we ended up buying. And I said, yeah. well, that was only $10. And then we ate them in the um, public garden. So that was nice. And we watched all the families and the the Tinder ladies. So speaking of nice and families, let's hear uh-huh. the story that you have to tell that's not nice and involves <laughs> no families. <laughs> there actually was a family. Uh, that he bothered first but yeah that's so i i'll talk about that briefly so so my topic today is about uh something that happened to me when i went to maine the summer by myself uh i went to acadia and i was at sand beach which if you've ever been to acadia you've probably been to sand beach because it's the nicest beach um on deer isle not deer isle I always do that. Uh, Mount Desert Island. Uh, And uh, Deer Isle is one island away. And I did a residency there. But that's another story. So I'm at the beach. I had been there all day. I was like drying and swimming in the freezing cold water and tanning and just like having a really good time. And it gets to be around 4 p.m. And this guy uh, sort of sits near me. And he starts chatting up a, a number of different people as they're as that he's near or that walk by him or whatever, including like a family that had been on the beach all day, like in front of me, literally like reading papers, not swimming, like being like academic, acute academic couple, like going to the beach. Um, and I just knew from the fact that he was talking to all these different people that he was eventually going to talk to me. Which he did. This is during COVID, by the way. No one's wearing masks because we're in Maine and like it's, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You told me that people in the town just were acting like COVID didn't exist. 
Exactly. Yeah. People were never wearing masks unless they were like inside a building. And even then, like a lot of people were had to be asked to put them on. So, okay. So he starts talking to me and I'm don't remember what he's saying, but he's kind of like trying to flirt with me or something. And then eventually he's like, can I come over to your towel? And I'm like, I don't think I said yes. I really don't think I said yes. I don't think I said no because I was uncomfortable, but I was like, uh, I definitely didn't say yes. But he comes over to my towel, no mask, sits down on my towel um, and starts talking to me about women and his troubles with women and how he he doesn't know what they want and uh he doesn't he doesn't know how to get them and stuff and he's like told me that he has read the game which is that book that came out i think in the early to mid 2000s that's like a it's a it's like a pickup artist book yeah i've never even heard of it you're the second person that said this and i think it's funny because i i guess it was like a thing at my high school but my high school boyfriend like read it while i while we were dating which probably should have been a red flag for me but i was 16 um so yeah he he's telling me about how he's read the game and he he doesn't understand cuz the 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 tips i guess from the book aren't working and he doesn't know what women want and i'm kind of like saying you know there's different kinds of women and different women want different things um and after like a couple minutes of that, he asks me out and I say no. And then he starts to get like pushy. Um, and he's like, he's like, I don't get why like women never want to go out with me. And uh, he's just like starting to get flustered. Um, how How old was this guy roughly again? Oh, yeah, we did talk. He asked me how old I was, uh, which I was 28. I'm still 28. And he was like 30 something. Okay, uh, so he was in his like... early 30s. Yeah. Okay, so he was older. A little older, but around my age. Um, yeah, I... but, but older to be behaving like that. Yes, exactly, exactly. Very emotionally immature. Um, and he went. He was asking me about school and stuff at one point and asking me, like, what I did and stuff like that. And I said that I had been an artist. You know, I, I told him what I did. And um, and when I was done, he was like, oh, so you're like you're you're old, like you're older than I thought. And I was thinking, like, if this guy's like in his early 30s, like, how old did he think this woman that he's hitting on was and that that was OK? That's like, exactly why he's behaving that way. So creepy. So I I guess I look young. It's not the first time I've heard that, but that was awkward. Um, and then, like, after I've, like, told him that I'm not going to go out with him a number of times, he, like, gets up off his towel, and as he's walking away, he's like, that's fine, I, I wasn't attracted to you anyway, but I thought I saw something. And uh, he goes back to his towel... And I pack up to leave, like, really annoyed at this point. And uh, he starts packing up, too. And I'm, like, worried that he's going to follow me. So I start packing up more quickly. 
And uh, as I'm walking by, he kind of like starts talking to me again. And he's like, are you sure? Like, like, you sure you don't want to go out like whatever? And I'm like, maybe I'll see you around or something. Assuming that I'm never going to. And if I did, like, I'm not going to fucking talk to him because he's a creep. Um, But yeah, so uh, as I'm walking back to my car, I realize what he thought he saw in me was vulnerability because I was by myself and that like pissed me off so much and it was kind of the first time that I thought seriously about like myself being alone on this trip um like because you know it was one of my first solo trips um and it's during quarantine and everything and, and you think about being alone a lot in that way but like this was the first time that like I felt I actually didn't feel vulnerable, but that someone else could perceive me being alone as vulnerable. And that just made me so intensely angry. Um, yeah, and I, I did not see him again for the rest of the trip, thank God. He told me he was staying in his car, so I was like worried that I would like see him in town or something, but I didn't. But yeah, when I got back to my car, I walked and I walked quickly because I was like, I don't want to see this fucker again. Um, I like looked in the mirror, like at my reflection and I like just heavily sighed. Um, But I actually like felt good in a way, too, because, you know, after you go to the beach all day and you're all your skin feels like tight from the sun and the salt and your hair is all like crunchy. from being in the ocean I was like you know that was really annoying and everything but I still had a really good day at the beach and thank god I did not see him again interesting mm-hmm. yeah I mean that whole um backup artist thing I feel like is a lot less relevant now uh you know I think partially because you have the internet and I'm sure there are a bunch of yahoos on YouTube or something that the whole what are, are, ma- are making videos, pickup artists, people, oh, yeah, people yeah, yeah. picking, picking on men like that, that are um, emotionally stunted for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, I, wonder, I, I guess I wonder, like, I never read the book, obviously. I wonder like, you know, this is a weird thing to say, but like, what kind of women do these pickup lines or whatever the tools are work on? Because like, clearly, not if he was using them, you know, negging me. You're not, you're not going to neg me and go out with me. You're just not. I'm... I I think a lot of these pickup artist dudes, um, a generally they present better. They don't, you know, they don't dress in a very slovenly way you know they're somewhat put together and fit and everything and i well he was not well that's what i'm saying is oh yeah the the people preying on the weak minds of someone like the guy you encountered are generally you know in shape they're with it they look attractive enough and they're probably going to like some kind of area that has a lot of bars for like 
post-collegiate people, you know, just young, drunk people. I don't know. That that just seems to me like the only way that could really work in any meaningful returns. Not like that's very meaningful. But I, I think then you get a lot of people that before the internet would be like, yeah, that is how I meet women. You're right. But now you probably just have a lot of these like incel type people who just say, there's no point. All women are whores. I can't, you know, it'll never happen. I'm not a 10 out of 10. And a guy like that is, so he gets all the women and mm. they, they don't even try. So I wonder about the guy you encountered, like how was he approaching it from, but he's old enough that, you know, yeah, he probably did read that book when it came out. So. Yeah, I'm sure he did because he is, uh, you know, he's around my high school boyfriend's age. I'm sure he read it like, but it sounded like he had read it recently. So I think that's a good segue into our next topic. Um, and that is, it's kind of a three pointed yeah. thing. But, uh-huh. um, this is something we've been wanting to talk about for a while. And I, I guess it just really makes sense to go here. Um, but that is the prevalence of attractive people in media and how media has changed. So it's more personal, uh, as well as how that idealized version of a man or a woman, uh, what have you, is also being connected with uh, more pornographic content. Uh And um, so I guess what I mean by that is that you've got social media, which allows you to connect with your target audience on a personal level and reach them directly like never before, right? Yeah. Um, I would love to know how many people still read, you know, like um, any of those teen girl magazines Right, that I, you know, I remember in the early mid two thousands, teen people and stuff. Yeah, like any of that stuff. And I, again, I obviously never grew up reading that, but I remember being in school and like there would be girls reading any of those, and they would have the news on, um, whatever the teen heartthrob of the day was. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I like. Uh, Jonas Brothers or something yep. like that, I guess. Uh-huh. Yes, um, yes. But magazines and all of that have called, kind of fallen to the wayside. So here we have people just on Instagram or whatever, Twitter, um, appealing directly to their stands, quote unquote. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you get these kind of weird parasocial relationships with the people, which I think is kind of the end goal of marketing in any kind of celebrity towards a youth audience but Mm -hmm. it's a lot more prevalent now and um something we talk about a lot is like the whole OnlyFans thing or just weird sexual content in general and how that's gotten so prolific yeah uh you're on twitter more than i am uh, I, I don't even have a Twitter account, so when I'm on it, it's just because I see a link to something. But, I mean, the stuff you've shown me of what people post and talk about, um, and anyone can see that, is yeah. 
It's kind of and amazing. And I want to say that I did not get Twitter for this reason. No, I got Twitter. No. I got Twitter to look at memes, and then the OnlyFans thing blew up, and I and every like good looking woman and man and like couples have OnlyFans on Twitter. It seems like if they have a lot of followers. And I, you know, I guess we should briefly explain what OnlyFans is for the non millennials and zoomies out there. Um, OnlyFans, as as I understand it, it is a website where you can sell adult content, but that can be anything from like a bikini picture to full on sex tapes. I think. Yeah. I, I yep. don't know that there's any real bar on like what qualifies. And so people can subscribe, almost like a Patreon, like where, where you get yeah. month, monthly updates. But then I think you can also buy, like someone could be posting, like, again, like underwear pictures a few times a week. And then they come out with like a sex tape or something. And then they're like, okay, this is $15 to buy and have. Um, so it's like a direct yeah, but- way of, of creating and distributing homemade porn. Yeah, you can buy and then you can uh, subscribe and you can buy individual pictures and videos, I think. And then also you can tip. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. But it's it's really become this very uh, dominant thing in social media. I think especially with COVID, I, I think a lot yeah. of people are like, well, I can can do this and make a I few extra bucks. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, Cardi B has one, you know? And she, I think that is, I don't want to say that's why it's popular, but I think that, like, that has helped it a lot, at least from what I've seen on Twitter. Like, she got one, uh, I think, like, pretty, not recently, but, like, I think during COVID, she got one also, so... I think that, like I said, that that's, like, helped its popularity, and, like, she makes a lot of money from it, and which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah, I mean, if you do, if you do well, um, I know they have, like, some people will advertise, I'm in the top 2% of all content creators, and I assume yeah. there are a lot of people making content. Me too. So if you're in the top 2% <laughs> or something, that means you're doing pretty well, and people are like raking in money and i know there have been some issues with how they report that money um you know when it comes time for taxes because right I, right i think a lot of it is technically under the table uh, but there are people that are younger than us that are making a few thousand dollars uh, a month yeah and the the people i see uh, oftentimes on twitter who have them and I'm not looking for them. And not that that matters, but I just want to say that. Um, but it's, I think that speaks to how prevalent it is, that you don't yeah. need to be looking for it. And someone who might be posting some funny memes will then be saying, oh, by the way, follow my OnlyFans. Exactly. Like, I'll just, you know, I'll read the comments on a, a funny picture or whatever. And, you know, it'll be this young woman has said something hilarious. And then I go to follow her and she's got an OnlyFans and she's. 19 years old yeah and that's so you know um that's like almost 10 years younger than me 
Yeah, and to me, I just I look at people that age, and it's just a little weird. I understand that legally they can do that, but I just get a little weirded out because I I know the majority of people probably investing time and money into that. The people giving you know the attention to people like that are probably older men. Yeah, and And I I want I want to say too that like we are discussing this from an anthropological perspective in no way do we think that like it's or at least i feel this way i don't think that it's wrong necessarily for these women to be you know you like using the system to their advantage and oh no absolutely yeah i mean look if if they see a market and they capitalize it who am i to say I mean, before OnlyFans, it was like people were selling used underwear online for like yeah. dollars. You know, <laughs> yeah. like there's always there's always been this weird kink market, but I yeah, think, totally. I think our point is that it's just so popular now. Yeah, and, yeah. And you see people joking about it. Um, yeah, and it has totally taken over social media. It has, and as someone who's trying to kind of unplug from social media. And I've done a pretty good job for the most part. It it's still just it's very bizarre for me. Um, because I, I should I should also say that neither of us are like anti porn, anti sex. That cannot be further from the truth. Yeah, exactly. Um we're we're both pretty sexually open. I mean, we yes. talk about sex all the time. Um, yeah. all the time. But <laughs> yep, all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm definitely not one to say that this is immoral or anything like that exactly. that's that's yeah. not it's just to me i think we're kind of reaching this point where it's kind of desensitizing i mean so i'm yeah. speaking from the perspective of someone who didn't discover pornography or any quote-unquote adult content until i was maybe like 15 or 16 i was an only child i just you know it, it just happened that way so i never yeah. i can't really say that I was one of those kids that when the internet was still new and when I was a young kid, I went online and I saw a naked woman when I was in like second grade or anything, you know? You didn't type in boob into Google when you were no, like... No, <laughs> I, I didn't know what that word was even, you know? So yeah. I, I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of an outlier in terms of that when we speak yeah. about millennials. But I didn't, um, well, I'm female, but I didn't watch porn until I was in college, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was like late high school or for me. So, you know, and again, I think we're both kind of anti-social media in the way that that creates um, this fake uh, plastic, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, this idealized version of yourself that isn't you. Yes. Um, yeah, the the face you put on. Right. And and it could be even as innocuous as just like, oh, look, I went out to this cool restaurant or look, yeah. I, I climbed a mountain today yeah. or something like that, where it's like maybe you didn't, but you just have a cache of photos on your phone and each day you're posting something to make it look like you've got a life to make other yes. people don't. Yeah, people like, I mean, when Instagram was first a thing, people always used to post with they would post a picture then say hashtag latergram but everything's latergram now who's posting in the moment because that's like rude and distracting well so now it's it's like you have your 
stories to make sure everyone yeah. can see it. Yes. That that has changed so much. Um, it's Even, not about yeah. Well, I was I was just gonna say it's not about posterity now. It seems to be really in the moment because the whole story thing, which was taken from Snapchat, is it deletes in twenty four hours. And now Twitter has it too, and they're called fleets. Right. So I I don't I know why though. I don't know why they're called fleets. I just so they don't get sued. I don't know, but that that makes Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and Facebook has it as well. And Facebook, yeah. Um, so it's just so. Again, even at its most basic level, it's relatively innocuous, but it is there. And um, I'm someone who you know I majored in communication, and I really like media studies in general. Um, yeah. And that's part of why I really like my job is because I get to observe a lot of different disciplines. Um, uh, a lot of them are a little more science-based. I mean, anyone going to yeah. get, um, you know, continuing education certificate is probably a little more focused. But I, I took a lot of media studies classes in college, and I always really enjoyed it. I've always, um, as you know, I... I love film and music and how that relates to pop culture. I yeah, I, I kind of enjoy it more for that aspect than maybe the product itself. Mm -hmm. um, so as much as I hate the stuff, I kind of love to dissect it. And, yeah, same. And, you know, uh, sorry, finish what you're going to say. No, 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 you can go. I just wanted to say, too, that, like, I've had multiple internships and jobs that were related to social media and marketing, um, like at galleries and, and stuff like that. And, you know, and being an artist myself, like me being like, for lack of a better word, because it sounds so pompous, but like as an artist, you're your own brand and having to like brand yourself online. Like, yeah, I hate the game, but I... I love social media too because I like to see what's going on. And that's why I got Twitter because like even though I barely post anything, it's just another way that I can get my news. And news not meaning like I get world news too and like politics and everything, but I mean like staying up to date with uh with pop culture, really. Right. Uh and what the Zoomers are talking about. Yeah, because it is, it is a lot of that. But to your point, you know, artists have had to play that game way before anyone else did. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the whole branding yourself and um, for artists, it's branding yourself and your art. For influencers, as they're called, it's just branding yourself yes. and yourself yeah. is your art. But, um, you know, I, I guess to tie this in with the other part, um. I think because I have a distasteful view of a lot more traditional uh, forms of media and advertising, mm -hmm. um, when I see how this is taking form and I compare it to um, more traditional like gender roles and everything and, and the way we've been marketed to because if you think about it we are part of the last generation that kind of um experienced that older style again teen magazines or yeah what have you mm -hmm. um 
And I think there's no good, <laughs> it's no happy medium. I, I think it's all kind of destructive, but yeah, there, there, there's, I just, well, I wanted to say there's this picture from like the fifties or something. It's like an old black and white photograph of a subway station. Um, and instead of every person waiting for the subway, looking at their phone, they're looking at the newspaper and like, one could argue that um that reading is better than being on your phone or whatever but it's like everyone's still in their own world everyone has their like neck bent face down looking mm -hmm. at something that isn't the moment that they're experiencing yeah um, absolutely so you know the internet is a way that we get information and our phones are very distracting but it's not really new on some level. Yeah, I mean, you even go back to when it was newspapers, and it's like, well, what newspaper were you reading? That really, there's yeah. a big difference between New York Post versus New York Times. One is yeah. a little more like a tabloid, and the other is regarded as the best newspaper in the country by yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's this, in the information age, it kind of, to me, raises the question of why should I care? Yeah. And, and you get a lot of these mostly conservative talking heads um, who are really railing against the way new media has been reaching people in ways they can't anymore. And that kind of starts tying in with gender roles. And mm -hmm. so I, I think a fascinating kind of trifecta between all these three topics that happened recently. Um, which originally wasn't going to be part of this discussion, but because it did happen, I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, is uh, Harry Styles, who was formerly kind of like the most notable icon of One Direction, the boy band. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was on the cover of Vogue, which I think makes him the first male to be on the cover of Vogue. Really? Uh, I, no. I, th I thought I, I could be wrong. I thought I saw something about that. I don't know enough about Vogue. I, I thought I heard he's the first man on Vogue. I don't know. Regardless, he, he appeared on the cover and he was wearing a dress. And it got made into this big thing, I think, by both sides of the political spectrum of he's not a man because he's wearing a dress, which I think is ironic because just like a few years ago, he was this teen th heartthrob yeah. reg regarded as like very masculine because he, you know, had all these, these women that were dreaming over him for lack of a better term. Like I uh, said, before this, we started this podcast, I still think he's a good looking individual. I think he's yeah. very sexy or well, Yeah. So so that's the interesting thing. It's like, you know, a few years ago, um, or just even before this, yeah, he was regarded as like, yeah, he's he's an example of like a uh the next generation of men, right? He's a real man. Yeah. So he wears a dress and then and then some people say, Well, he's he's weak, he's not a real man. And then the other half of people say, Oh, he's he's so brave, you know, that takes a lot of courage, which I don't mean to downplay. And I certainly agree it's a big deal. Um, but to me, as with a lot of all of this media, it's like, why should I care? Let him just let him do what he wants. It's literally not going to matter. Like, 
five years from now because it's like so yeah our generation and the generation below us have such a different sense of gender roles than like not not just gender roles but like what is gender what are gendered things than the generations before us like um this is kind of a tangent but i'll i'll try to like make it quick that like one time a few years ago i was hanging out with some berkeley college of music students and they i remember specifically the guys who were a few years younger than me and my boyfriend at the time like they had their nails painted and some of them were wearing makeup and um because we were we had just gone out and uh i'm i know that they identified as male and that's why i'm saying that they were men um but you know for me like not even that many people i hung out i hang out with of our generation uh dress like that and for me to see that from like these were like younger like more zoomer age people i was like yeah it's college but it's also like this things are changing it was such a moment of like clarity for me that like as things move forward it's just like it's just really not gonna matter like dress wearing a dress men wearing makeup men wearing dresses men wearing nail polish whatever it's like so the smallest thing in the world and yeah it just it doesn't fucking matter well and i've got a story to tie in with that um about four years ago now four and a half i saw a concert at the wilbur theater and (laughs) it was members of uh, one of David Bowie's previous bands, the, the band uh-huh. he had when he was doing the glam stuff, when he was doing Ziggy Stardust and all of that. And um, they were performing uh, his album, The Man Who Sold the World, in its entirety. And that album, uh-huh. if you're not familiar, on one of the covers, it was censored in some countries, on one of the covers, David Bowie's on the couch and he's wearing a dress. Yeah. And there's a reason that got censored because men can't wear dresses, of course, in 1970. But he he was and he had long hair and everything. And so I was at the show and it was wonderful because it ended up happening. The tour was already planned, but he ended up passing partway mm. through that tour. And so this yeah. show was just a few days after David Bowie died. And so there was kind of this really cathartic thing, I think, for everyone there about being there, listening to his music done by his former musicians. But I looked around in the audience and I saw all these people that basically I I would never see walking down the street normally. You know, there were people from all different walks of life, a lot of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, who were definitely not fitting the mold of very heteronormative ideas even if maybe they did present as cis and you know so on um but everyone there was like i i just i tried to think back 40 years ago and say wow these these were young queer or just alternative people that were into this and they felt like they had a home and it really matters to them and so they've always been there they've always been there they have always been there like, I think the generation before us sometimes will say, like, they knew people at the beginning of trans rights who were trans or whatever, or the beginning of of people being trans or something, like, in the 70s and 80s. And it's like, people have been trans literally forever. That's the point. Um, yeah. or, or gender fluid or non-binary and obviously gay. Um, 
because that is on that's the point it's like this isn't something that was invented people actually are these things and well and so that's that's what gets me is when you have people you know um of kind of like the baby boomer generation or around there and these fucking guys that only listen to like classic rock right and are such macho men yeah but it's like all the media they consumed it's like, have you seen any rock band in the 80s? That shit was gay. They all had big hair, oh, tight gay. leather pants. <laughs> I mean, you know, if yeah. you want to criticize big, people for... Big, bulging cock and balls. I mean, they were wearing high heels. They had makeup on, but that's apparently okay. But now when some yeah. guy in 2020 wears a dress, it's... And so that's what I think is funny is like apparently you can be that's still like hyper masculine yeah. in some weird yeah really convoluted way it's even even like freddie mercury was this icon of masculinity and he is and just because he's gay doesn't mean that he's not but like for him to be like in a mesh shirt nipples out oh yeah and- and that's not gay and that's not a feminine or whatever and then for uh, Harry Styles to be on the cover of Vogue in a dress and, and suddenly like that's queer and like that's uh, uh, that makes people uncomfortable because it's feminine. It's like, what the fuck are you people on? Well, the, the other one I like is Rob Halford, the lead singer of Judas Priest. He's been gay uh-huh. been out for a while. Yeah. And I mean, the dude would go on stage wearing like leather BDSM gear. You know, yes, but because they exactly. were a metal band, because they were a metal band, oh, that's just cool, it's macho. But he he had like you know, leather chaps on and shit. Yeah. And so I think it's just so fascinating that here we are, as I said, we've got media that is reaching you directly in your home, over sexualizing everything. Yeah. And people aren't really worried about that end of things because to me, when I see all this OnlyFans shit, it just it doesn't devalue my sex life and my approach to sex, but I think for a lot of people, it's giving them the wrong impressions about sexuality and intimacy. But then, yeah. but then everyone raises a huge deal about, um, I mean, even regardless of Harry Styles, I feel like anytime I hear of a um, celebrity, because that's what always gets the buzz coming out as like non-binary or just queer and they don't want to put a label on exclusively bisexual or homosexual or whatever you know then people people just like have a breakdown and they can't handle it and it's it's just the whole thing is bizarre to me yeah (laughs) it's really strange um is harry styles non-binary We've talked about this. No, I think I think Harry Styles identifies as a man, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know how he um, identifies sexually, but yeah, I, I I know that even back in One Direction, he would be interviewed, and his answer was always, "Why does it matter?" And then everyone said, yeah. "Oh, so he's gay," and it's like, "Well, yeah. no, I, I don't think it should matter one way or the right. other." To me, I've always approached anything like that. Of like, well, does it impact me personally? Yeah. What, what does it really matter? Yeah. Um, because I've never, you know, I, I can't really tell you what being a man exactly means at this point. Um, yeah, and you've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, I just, it doesn't, it's one of those things, does it impact my day-to-day life? Not really. I I just, I don't care. 
at all, you know? Yeah. And um, I feel similarly about femininity. And I went to, you know, I went to a very liberal arts college and uh, I, my parents are hippies and I wasn't really, I wasn't allowed to wear dresses when I was a kid. You know, I wore my brother's hand-me-downs often. Um, and even as I've gotten older, I have moments where I dress more feminine or whatever. But like, it, I having lived in different areas and gone to different schools even and been parts of different communities where where femininity is described in different ways and like how you are supposed to dress is different among different communities it's all very confusing because you know you know for example like we've talked about this i like i stopped shaving my armpits a couple months ago and then like i shaved them and then i started growing it back and it's like for some people some women I went to college with like the idea of shaving your armpits is so fucking weird and the fact that I do it is weird to them and then I have girlfriends who like are here in Boston who you know if they saw my armpit hair they would they would look <laughs> they would yeah. definitely look so um but I wanted to talk one, one more thing uh and I know we're like getting to that time where we should stop but uh I I have this another short story. Uh one time when I was in uh I was in New Hampshire and I was at a metal show and this I was talking to one of the guitar players from one of the bands about uh about women in 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 metal and how like all guys in the metal community if there's like a, a a woman on stage or whatever they all like fawn over her and think that she's so hot or whatever and I, I was like why I was asking him I was like why is everyone so obsessed with like these few women who are in metal and he said you know it's hard to find a woman who like is part of this scene even who's like not into who's not like just into makeup and I and I took that to mean that you know it's hard to find women who aren't into quote unquote women things you know um yeah whose, ho whose hobbies are not uh stereotypically masculine which means that they're invalid to him um and i was thinking like you know there's so many bands that wear makeup males that wear face makeup and like that makeup because it's masculine is cool like uh like kiss or the band uh, uh ghost or oh yeah i mean ghost is like at least with kiss you can be like oh well they've got armor so that's cool it's badass yeah. it's man but ghost ghost is a bunch of the skinny swedish guys dressing up yeah. in Halloween costumes exactly but they're and they're wearing makeup and like that's it's okay for it's cool for them to wear makeup cuz you know they're men and it's men's makeup but if women are into makeup which i personally think of as an art form and i watch a lot of makeup tutorials even though i don't even wear that much makeup because i think it's really cool to watch people transform their faces women uh yeah that's not cool and god forbid you date a woman who is who thinks that's interesting uh, right 
Yeah, and and I feel like I feel like also in music in general, at least if you're in a more traditional rock type band, I think it's less of a less a problem with pop because of the way pop people have to present themselves in general. Yeah. Um, but at least kind of more in the rock metal alternative thing. It's like I feel like if you're a woman it's kind of expected that you do yourself up a little more because I, I see so many bands where like they've got the the one woman maybe she's the singer maybe she's the bassist or something yeah and she looks great and all the guys are just kind of schlebby and they they're wearing like just what, yeah. they, what they had but like if she did that if she was just wearing some flannel shirt and like yeah some shitty vans or something wouldn't she be getting a lot of comments like what's wrong with her why doesn't she look hot she she usually has like heavy or heavy makeup on like eyeshadow and mascara and everything um yeah i've never seen a band perform with a woman and the woman wasn't wearing any makeup or like you know had on more of an put together outfit than the men Right. The only the only bands I've seen where the woman dressed like quote unquote men and mm-hmm. again by, by that I mean like your typical alternative rocker that's just wearing the clothes they were wearing earlier in that day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um those are all groups that are like either completely female or predominantly female. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. <sighs> it's yeah, this yeah, this became more of a talk about gender than sex. Yeah, well, which that's is kind of that's kind of how it goes. All right, so we got started talking about music, and we kind of tailed off. Um, so we're kind of going to close out the show now, and we've been watching a lot of movies, a lot of media recently that will be the basis for our next podcast, which I will yes. not reveal the topic of, but we're both okay. here for it. Um, so as a result, our recommendation this week isn't really a film or anything, but Emily kind of suggested uh, that I suggest this. And I've probably mentioned a few times over the course of however many shows this has been uh, that I do a radio show and that is correct i'll be doing a weekly radio show starting up now before i was just guesting um back at my old uh, university doing all this stuff remote and it's really helped me actually with the podcasts um i've been djing for six some years now but i feel like getting back into it more consistently and then doing these podcasts uh it's helped me be a better speaker on the fly. It's also just helped my delivery. It's helped me with audio editing. It's just been a, a really nice um, kind of thing to do in tandem with the whole podcast thing. So I've really been enjoying it and I've been offered a weekly spot to do my shows, which is good. It's a lot more work, but I'm looking forward to having about uh, two months at least of my own radio show on a dependable slot. So it is uh, every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. And it starts this week, although this episode will most likely go up after the holiday, after Thanksgiving. Uh, 6 to 8 p.m. every Thursday evening on WUNH Durham. 
So again, if that's something that intrigues you and you want to listen to it, uh, it's every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time on WUNH Durham. And again, you can stream it online at WUNH.com or .org or whatever the extension is. Uh, you can also find us on TuneIn uh, if you've got uh, one of those Amazon Echoes or just through the app. So, Sweet. Yeah, time to eat. <laughs> <laughs>